This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Yeah, I know. Hang on a second. I think there's someone following me. Yeah, I have my bolt right here. I'll be safe. I'll call you back. Don't be a victim to a would-be attacker. Carry the Taser Bolt and stay safe. With one simple tap of the button, the Taser Bolt delivers a powerful, continuous 30-second volt of electricity without requiring you to hold down or touch the device, giving you time to take your attacker down and escape safely. Taser International will even replace your bolt upon sending them a copy of the police report free of charge. Get it now at pjsafety.com. While you're there, explore our family of non-lethal personal defense products to increase your defense capability and safety. Be proactive and get to pjsafety.com and choose from thousands of easy-to-use personal defense products right now. Tasers, stun guns, sprays, security alarms, and more. pjsafety.com. That website again, pjsafety.com. Your safety begins at pjsafety.com. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, justice has been served. Welcome to the program. Yes, justice wins once again. The rule of law has prevailed like I predicted it would after those six officers with the Baltimore Police Department were offered up as political prisoners, as sacrificial lambs for some activist state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, who got a little out ahead of her skis in charging those officers. I think Marilyn Mosby should resign in disgrace. I think she ought to go into court and release all of the remaining charges. Ask the judge to dismiss all of those charges of the four remaining officers and the officer who's Trial ended in a hung jury. And by the way, that hung jury was 11 that voted for an acquittal and one held out for conviction. 11 to 1. It wasn't even close. They were one juror away from acquitting that officer, and that was their strongest case. That's why they went with that case first, thinking If they got a conviction here, they would use that officer to testify against the others and that this thing would fall like dominoes. And instead, this thing has come crashing down on Marilyn Mosby's head like a ton of bricks. I said from the very beginning on this program, among other locations and venues, that this was a politically driven case by an activist state's attorney from Baltimore. This was nothing more than a political witch hunt from the start. You remember what Ms. Mosby said when she announced that these officers were were going to be criminally indicted? This is a quote. I remember the news conference. To the people of Baltimore and demonstrators across America, I heard your call for no justice, no peace, said Marilyn Mosby. You heard me say she's not supposed to hear anything. She's supposed to block all that crap out. And thank God that this judge did. This was a bench trial. Uh, bench trial. Officer Ed Nero. I spoke to Ed Nero 
the other day, and I'm going to keep what transpired between the two of us confidential. That's the way I do business. He's relieved. He should be. The winner in all this? It's not the Baltimore Police Department. Really, the winner in all this isn't even Officer Ed Nero, one of Baltimore's finest. The winner is the rule of law. The rule of law must prevail in this country. I've said time and time again, law enforcement officers, they want to be judged by the rule of law standard. That's all we ask for. I knew this justice system would get this right. This case was so wrong. This case was so wrong. It was unbelievable. And I knew, I trusted our system of justice. This one that Barack Obama claims is racist and uneven. No, it's not. I think this is an example of it right here. When all the evidence is heard, when all the evidence is weighed, and when I say evidence heard, I'm talking about witness statements are evidence. When it's all weighed, Lady Justice, with a blindfold on, will make that decision, even though it's, in the end, it could be in the hands of a jury, or even in this case, a judge. More times than not, they'll get it right. That's why I trust this system of justice. But you had a activist, a racial demagogue, Marilyn Mosby, who wasn't looking for justice. She was looking for revenge. She weaponized something as powerful as a prosecutor's office. to try to hang six of Baltimore's finest. Thank God, under the American system of justice, officers are entitled to due process like anyone else in a criminal case. But by Marilyn Mosby and the liberal mainstream media standard, it wasn't innocent until proven guilty. It's not even guilty until proven innocent. They were looking for revenge. The liberal mainstream media was trying to stoke up racial discord. These officers were treated like second-class citizens. I'm telling you right now, if this case, you take Ed Nero and his five colleagues out of this and make this some other death case, I'm telling you right now, a prosecutor does not bring charges. There's nothing there. Freddie Gray died. And that was tragic. But he contributed to his own demise when he fled from police. Yeah, I know most people don't want to say that. That's why you tune in every Saturday to the People's Sheriff. Because I'm going to say what needs to be said. But nonetheless, it's still a tragedy. But that does not mean 
that anybody is criminally liable in that death. You have a death. Which the, the, the coroner, by the way, said his injuries, it was a, a, a severed spinal cord, injuries consistent with being in an accident, not being beaten to death by human beings. So, if she would have done what she should have done, she, she, this is one of the most unethical jurists I have ever seen. This woman holds great power. She abused it. That's why she should resign. And the Bar Association of Maryland should get in on this. Disbar this woman. She's incompetent. So that's why I say it is time to end this ugly chapter in Baltimore history. This miscarriage of justice. That's what I called it. When this case started, a miscarriage of justice, and she needs to withdraw the charges against the remaining officers, as well as for the officer whose verdict ended in a hung jury. It is time to allow the city of Baltimore to put themselves back together so they can get past this ugly chapter brought on by Marilyn Mosby, and an incompetent mayor. Rawlings Blake, I think her name is. If anything here, if if somebody, and I, I, I still don't think you have that, but that's up for the chief now. They better not fire these officers. These officers need to be allowed to resume their lives and resume their careers. You hear Obama out there talking about reintegrating career criminals back into society. Well, these officers need to be allowed to be reintegrated back into the Baltimore Police Department. Coming up next, we're going to talk about this TSA nightmare at our nation's airports. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. Buck Sexton. If Clinton's numbers really tank, if she loses California and the email uh, the email server, remember, I really should, we should really call it the server scandal because that's much more important. But if the American people catch on to this, she's just a liar. And whether they care about the national security implications of the email being hacked and everything else or not, but just that she was lying about it all year. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Let's get into this TSA debacle at our nation's airport. You know, in politics... You have to keep your finger on the pulse of the American people. In politics, you have to keep your ear to the ground, listen to rumblings, have your antenna sent very sensitively, set very sensitively, because you want to get in early on things that are bothering the American people. 
even if it's within your particular district. Like, I have to pay attention to that as it relates to the people in Milwaukee County. Because when you miss that stuff, and it gets out of control and it gets away from you, it is very hard to deal with the PR aspect of it. And that's very important. The American people or the people you represent, like the people in Milwaukee County, expect me to be attentive to their needs. What's bothering them? So we look at the situation at the nation's airports, these longer and longer lines to get through security screening. Here's how you have to look at this. This is kind of in my wheelhouse with my graduate degree in security studies. I've studied and researched this whole thing surrounding 9-11. TSA is the result of the 9-11 Commission, where recommendations were made to Congress. Congress ordered, they put together a task force and said, give us some recommendations to prevent another 9-11 from happening again. The biggest mistake they could have made. Because you knew it was going to be an emotional overreaction. That's what government does. Too often, they overreact. But the Congress was so skittish. Oh, we have to do something. And every time I hear somebody say, well, we have to do something, Sheriff. I say, no. We need to do something meaningful. Meaningful, not just something. So TSA was that something. And of course, you know, when this came out, the nation was still on edge, prepared for the worst, another attack here on the homeland. But we don't get any reasonableness out of Congress. So they come up with this idea of the Department of Homeland Security. And all it was, was moving deck chairs around on the Titanic. That's all this was. They called it the largest reorganization in government since the National Security Act. 1945, I think it was. Don't hold me to the year. But all they did was reshuffle. They took mainly existing organizations, and put them under a new umbrella, the Department of Homeland Security, and made this, I believe, the largest federal agency, 250,000 employees, disparate groups of organizations. Bureaucracies are a disaster because they only move forward and backward. They don't move laterally. They don't move in a zigzag to account for certain things. It's forward and backward. It's like a train. When this first came about, George Bush was very much opposed to it. He knew creating this new bureaucracy would be a disaster. And he said as such. He said as much. But what happened was Congress was so hell-bent on showing that they were going to do something. You know, I said, no, not something, something meaningful. So he figured he better get in on it so he could help shape it. Because it was going to happen, and if it came to his desk, it was going to be hard for him to veto it. Remember the timing, ladies and gentlemen. 
with just after 9-11. The nation was on edge. It would have been a political disaster for him to have vetoed this idea of a new Department of Homeland Security. But it was a mistake. And it's like a lot of public policy that's developed in Washington. They don't think about the law of unintended consequences. They don't sit back and say, if we do this, what are some of the bad things that could happen? They don't do that. And you're always going to get the law of unintended consequences. It happens. That's why they call it the law of unintended consequences. Those things happen. You try different things, remedies, whatever, approaches, and and then all of a sudden you look, oh, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, and you can't predict everything that might happen, but you can come up with a list of things. What might happen here? Well, first of all, we might upset the American public with this approach to airport security. Because keep this in mind, one of the objectives of Al-Qaeda was to create an event like 9-11 and have the American people get mad at their government for overreacting and cost this government so much that it would cripple it financially. That was their goal. They achieved it on both counts. This is amazing. They walked right into the trap. And and folks, Al-Qaeda said this. Our goal is to create such a catastrophic event that we bankrupt the country, make their financial systems crash, if not make it cost so much that it won't be sustainable and we want to get the American people upset at their government. So we got the TSA. Think about this, folks. You go to get on a commercial airliner and you have to strip down. I mean, what what is it? It's a booking room at a jail or a prison? That's what we do in my booking room. People come in, they're under arrest, first of all. Now, we don't strip, we don't do, you know, strip down, but you got to take your belt off, you got to take your shoes off, you got to get into your jumpsuit orange. We take all your property away, we sift through it, we search it, That's what we do at our nation's airports. Put your stuff on the conveyor belt, take your shoes off, take your belts off, take your jewelry off. Walk through the magnetometer. If it goes off, now we're going to hand wind you. We may pat you down. We're going to look at you uh, on a naked body scanner. That's what we're going to do here. We do this because we have to. They won't let us on the airplane. We have a choice. We, We... don't have to fly. Well, we sometimes we have to fly. So what do we do? We acquiesce. We just do it. Like Robert Bork says, Judge Robert Bork, you know, we bitch for a little while, but then we acquiesce. Ah, this sucks. Ah, I got to take all of it. And, you know, and the people are complaining and mumbling away, and then, you know, but you get on your airplane. But I can't believe we do this to the American people. The biggest thing about this, folks, This has not and will not and cannot prevent an airliner catastrophe, a terror attack using an airplane. It does not do that. 
take your water away, take your your nail files away, take this away, you can't do that. This is amazing. And you know, what you need to do, but see, everybody's in a hurry. You need to go there and just watch this. You sit back, because every time I'm in line, in the next segment, we're going to continue this, but every time I'm in line, while I'm waiting, I watch. It's astounding. When we come back, we're going to get into some other aspects of this. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. <laughs> wait, wait, give me that. What did he call him? Uh, the uh, vulgar, bitter, incoherent ramblings of the minority leader. Hey, let me think of bitter. Yes. Vulgar? Absolutely. Harry Reid has been in, been vulgar. Incoherent? incoherent. Absolutely. Most of the time. The only, the only saving grace is Harry is not there forever. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. This TSA topic is good stuff, and that's why we're going to continue it. I haven't gotten to half the stuff I need to get to on this. This has got to be straightened out. It really does. We're heading into the heavy point of the traveling season, coming up on summer, and the lines are getting longer and longer, and the waits are longer. You know what one of the remedies of, of, of TSA is? Telling the American traveler to now arrive two to three hours at the airport to get through security. That's not a remedy. I don't want to waste three hours of my day sitting in an airport. Waiting in line. That two to three hours? And then this this Jay Johnson, this Department of uh, Secretary of Department of Homeland Security, you know what he said? He's asking for patience. I said, patience my ass. He doesn't wait in line. He has no idea with what we're dealing with or what we're putting up with. He has no idea. This is, he's an elitist. Well, just be patient. He ought to get in these freaking lines. I said freaking. And he ought to see what it's like. He gets to bypass all of that. This is crazy. This is how our government officials, our bureaucrats ask. Oh, we need patience. You don't have to get to the airport three hours before you leave, Johnson. So, I've been in these lines. I was just in these lines the the last couple weeks. So I traveled to D.C. for police week. And then I was in Louisville for the National Rifle Association Convention. I stood in those lines. And I, I watch. And I'm just amazed. Here's what happened to one guy. I was right behind him. And I said, when I'm there, I watch the process. Always because I'm like saying to myself, this thing's got to be streamlined. What, what are they doing that they don't need to do? I went and did what they asked. They said, hey, get the TSA pre-check. I'm TSA pre-check. They've done my background. 
Forget the fact that I'm a law enforcement officer. They don't know who I am. If I go through Louisville Airport, they don't know he's a sheriff. But my ticket says TSA pre-check. They've done the background on me. I'm low risk. Sure, you could have somebody, you could have a terrorist apply for a TSA pre-check. I get that. But what they're not doing is they're not using a risk-based model. We want low risk. They're not going to get zero risk. And I keep hearing these people say, well, we'd rather have this than have somebody get on a plane with, uh, uh, you know, some device, a gun or a bomb. Really? Well, then tell me why several months ago a report came out when it did integrity checks in this process, 90% failure by these TSA officials at the checkpoints to find guns. Guns, ladies and gentlemen, got through the checkpoint. So then when this came out, I knew. When, as soon as I saw that in the newspaper, I said, oh, good Lord, help us. These people will do what government does best. They'll overreact. So now we're getting screening beyond what we need for them to be effective. This is retaliation. Some of it, some of it is fear of losing their job. But I didn't see anybody get fired out of the the 90% failure. There should have been some consequences. Someone should have paid for that. We pay you to do a job, and you didn't do it. So I'm standing behind this one guy, and he's pre uh, TSA pre-check. By the way, most of the times I go to the airport, that line is closed. And I got to get in the regular line. They give you some purple card that says, here, if you do this, you don't have to take your shoes off. Will we please stop having people take their shoes off, for heaven's sakes? If you did that alone, it would reduce the wait time. I didn't say it would solve it entirely. It would reduce it exponentially. That is stupid. Most other countries realize that and they stop that. When I came back from Mexico, the last three or four years, they don't make you take your shoes off going through screening anymore. In Israel, David Ben-Gurion Airport, they don't make you take your shoes off. It's stupid. Well, because one guy had explosives uh, you know, on an airliner headed for Detroit. So we make everybody take their shoes off? Well, then how come with the underwear bomber, we don't make people take their underwear off? Because it's stupid. Well, so is taking your shoes off. So I'm in TSA pre-check. Guy in front of me, you know, you don't have to take your computer out of your bag, and you don't have to take your shoes or your belt off. Maybe. They don't tell you that. Maybe. Because if you walk through and it beeps, then they say, oh, sir, you're going to have to take your shoes off. Well, they just told me I didn't have to take my... Yeah, I know, but you set off the beeper. Well, wait a minute. I'm TSA pre-check. He's low risk. If you just want to wand him, fine. But when you make that guy go back through again, you are delaying the line. You see how this starts to back up? So then he goes through again, right? Beep, beep, beep. Uh, sir, you got a belt on? Yeah. Oh, you're going to have to take your belt off. I'm watching this. I'm next. I'm, I'm, he's in TSA pre-check. They told you, they tell you, you don't take your shoes or belt off. Now you do? 
What did I pay my $85 for? So he takes his belt off. He comes through again, again, delaying the line because I'm right behind him. He goes through a third time and he passes. But that's not the end of the story. Then a light goes on. He's been selected for a random check. I couldn't believe my eyes. Sir, oh, you passed that time. And this is what the TSA guy said. Okay, sir, you passed. Oh, wait, you've been selected for random screening. He's been through twice. He finally passed, getting through without setting off the magnetometer. But now he's been selected for a random check. This TSA agent should have been able to use his discretion and say, yeah, you've been selected for random check, but my gosh, you went through twice. Go. But they can't use discretion. He'd be afraid he'd lose his job if, if, if there's some spy uh, overseer that's watching him. Hey, you let that guy in the random check. I know, but he went through twice, for heaven's sakes. He's damn near down to his jockeys. But no. You see, remember what I said about bureaucracies? They move in straight lines. Hey, here's the policy. The policies are supposed to be guidelines. Under most situations, here's what we do. This is not most situations. The guy had to go through twice. And had, even with TSA pre-check, had to take his shoes and his belt off. And you wonder why we have these lines? This is in the pre-check line. Folks, I don't even know what's going on in the regular line because I'm not over there. And that's where the really long delays are. There's no discretion or common sense that's allowed to be used. Half these steps are not necessary. They're just not necessary. They don't prevent terror attacks using airplanes, taking your belt off. I don't remember a terrorist using a belt. Terrorists are not trying to get through the screening anymore. All these people know this. They know it's been locked down. The American people are pissed. They're being... uh, inconvenienced, they're they're being upset. Terrorists go, we don't have to get through there anymore. There's other ways. There's there's always weaknesses in these systems. They search for the new weakness. Where's a weak link here? It's not there anymore. Look, they got the American citizens stripping down. They're viewing them naked. This is amazing. So amazing. We're going to continue it in the next segment. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. You insisted on a uh, different kind of chair, huh? You can't for some reason. I don't like those. I don't either. I told them. I told them I would sit in it if it matches, but mm-hmm. they're kind enough to bring this chair. Uh, this chair is, this is my chair is more comfortable. But... And it's a little bit shorter, and they, it allows them to make their own little fat jokes. And the, Yeah, because they, they were worried about the other one breaking. <laughs> <laughs> Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. In the final segment here, the People's Sheriff, we're talking extensively about this TSA situation at our nation's airports. This is just going to get worse. And you remember when I talked earlier about how you have to politically 
stay attuned to the mood of the public in these situations. And oftentimes, I know this White House has been indifferent to that. But when this thing gets away from you, I liken this to that Gulf of Mexico oil spill. Remember there was that uh, uh, drilling station, so to speak, that caught on fire and then uh, somebody screwed up and they were supposed to press the shutoff valve uh, as they were abandoning the um, platform there and somebody didn't or didn't work or whatever and they had this massive oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico and they couldn't shut it off and they couldn't turn it off and it led to this huge just disaster for the White House who didn't get involved early didn't sell, send uh, maybe military engineers or whatever and thought, you know, Obama, like he does, thinks it'll just take care of itself or, you know, ah, that's no big deal. Nobody will, nobody, see, nobody even cares about that. Well, the same thing is happening here. And this is not going to go away. We're coming into the heavy travel months of the season. And you know, the interesting thing too, the lines are getting longer. People are coming through with less and less outerwear, like they're not wearing winter coats and hats and mittens and gloves and all that that they have to take off and send through. So I know it's in vogue for Jay Johnson, the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security and, and others, to blame the passengers. Well, it's the passengers. Well, it's, well, maybe, but not entirely. Human nature is going to do what human nature does. So if People are coming through, you know, they're bringing more luggage because they don't want to pay the $25. That's human nature. People, human beings are going to adapt. You put up charges to to check luggage, they're going to take it on with them. And that's a problem. And like any other thing, if you're going to solve a problem, you have to come up with a list of remedies. What might work? What can we test? What won't work? Well, blaming the passenger is not going to work because you're talking about human nature. I know there are fewer screeners, but that's not the remedy either. More screeners means what? More bureaucracy, more people who can't use discretion, more people who can't use their head, more people who can get in your way between you and your commercial airliner. You're just trying to board an aircraft to get from point A to point B, and it shouldn't be a struggle. There's a sweet spot here. We got to find that sweet spot. Not a perfect solution. I don't try to find solutions. I try to find a sweet spot between safer air travel and people wanting to get on that airplane. I've heard passengers, you know, the media is out there interviewing people in line. I've heard passengers, well, I'd rather put up with a three-hour wait in line just to know that uh, the airline's going to be safe. It's not making the airplane safer. It's just not. You know, who was that? Ben Franklin, I said, who said he would, he who would trade a little security for a little privacy deserves neither security nor privacy. We're talking about an intrusive activity here. Take your clothes off. Let's see what's in your bag. Let's sift through it. You've been selected for additional screening. Your bag has to come over to the side, and we got to go through, sift through your bag. It's offensive, ladies and gentlemen. It's not what we need to do to get on an airplane. 
a time that I went through recently. And now I have it down because even though I'm pre-checked, I still take my belt off. I wear the big, the, the belt with the big cowboy but the cowboy buckle. It's going to set it up. I just take it off. My cowboy boots have a steel shank. I just take them off. Even though I'm in the pre-check and it says you can leave your shoes on and your belt on. I just take it off because it always beeps it. I also wear a big metal watch and a big sterling silver brace. I just take it off. I've had TSA agents look and tell me, uh, sir, you don't have to take your boots off and you don't have to take your belt off. So every once in a while I test it and I go through and beep, 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 beep. Uh, sir, you're going to have to take your and I your, your shoes and your, you got a belt on? Yeah, you're going to have to take that off. I said, the agent over here just told me I didn't have to. And he says, well, I don't know why he told you that. You see what I mean? You got two people within 10 feet of each other giving conflicting instructions. This stuff is correctable. Human nature of what passengers are doing is a little more difficult to remedy. But these policies and these procedures are easy fixes. So I take it off anyway. So now I go through, I got it down, I know I'm going to pass this. I, I'm very confident. And for once I figure that out, I go through every time and, and, and it doesn't be. But... The last time I did that, I got through. Sir, thank you. Have a nice day. Have a nice flight. Oh, wait, sir. You've been selected for random screening. Why? I'm TSA approved. And okay, so if you want to scam me with the wand, I think that's reasonable. You've been selected for additional screening. We just want to take the wand here. Fine. No, when when you do additional screening, you have to go through and be viewed on the naked scanner. Why? I went through the walkthrough, Meg, and I got through. Then I come off. Then they look at the screen, and he says, sir, I'm going to just pat your leg down over here. And he starts feeling my leg, right? I mean, this is what he has to do. Why? Why are you doing this? Is, this is intrusive. This is way beyond a de minimis search that we all get. Got to walk through the scanner. Okay, I'll do that. I'm TSA approved. Why are you feeling my leg? That's not necessary. That causes delays for a TSA-approved individual. So then the other other thing they're telling people, get TSA-approved and and it'll be quicker. No, it's not. I'm telling you right now, it's slightly quicker. Slightly, and it depends. If it's Tuesday afternoon and and, and it's sunny and it's, uh, you know, the temperature's above whatever, maybe. Because I'm TSA-approved. Why am I going through naked screening and then they're feeling me down? Or feeling me up. Why? It's just not necessary. But see, there's no common sense and there's no discretion in this. This thing needs to be deconstructed. If you're going to fix it, you can't take a bad system and tweak it and make it better. When you got a bad system, when you have a defective system, you have to deconstruct it. Let's see how we got here. Let's see if we can take some of these things out of this process here that aren't necessary. Let's try profiling. Why don't we profile? First of all, I need to get rid of that random search. Get rid of it. That's another thing that is stupid. Randomly selecting. Not based on anything. No, you need a risk-based model. Not random selection. But profiling works. But just stand. Next time you get through one of these and you have some time, 
Stand at the end of this process where people have to get dressed and put themselves back together. Watch this. This is embarrassing. This is offensive. People come through and I got to sit down, put the shoes on, put the belts back on, put the jackets back on, put, you know, stuff back in their bag if they go through it. And there isn't a person in Congress that's going to touch this. Why? Because the next terror attack using an airplane in the United States, you know, they'll get blamed for it. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. But that's no reason. You're in a position of leadership. You're in Congress. Lead, for heaven's sakes. Somebody please get their arms around this thing and straighten it out for the American people. You created this thing, government. Fix it. That's all we have time for today. You can follow me during the week on thepeoplesheriff.com, on Twitter, at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, and I salute those who have given their lives serving their country. God bless you. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.